Welcome back to another extra special episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. We've reached the fifth door of the Christmas Advent calendar and sadly it's not full of any gold rings. I feel like I've been cheated yet again and that Father Christmas has decided to choose violence and continue our ongoing feud which started back in 1994. As I open Door number five. Here are some clues. A forest, a crown and a present. That's right, we're going to be discussing the 11th Doctor Christmas special, The Doctor, The Widow and The Wardrobe. again I'm joined by a fabulous special guest. Announce yourself special guest. Hi it's me it's Nick. That's right Tamsin's mum is back. Okay so let's just get into this episode. The first thing is I keep tripping up over the title which is extremely wordy. I can't get whether it's the widow, the doctor, the wardrobe, the frying pan, the car. I just, I'm so confused. But this is essentially the second literary, I can't even say the word literary, literary, come on girl. This is the second literary adaptation that Stephen Moffat has done for a Christmas special for the 11th Doctor. The previous one was A Christmas Carol, and I have to say, this one is better. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And there's no confusion about this being a Christmas-themed episode, is there? At all. No, I would completely agree. This is a very Christmas-themed episode, that's 100% true. But I would also say... This is a much less mawkish episode, which is strange because it essentially pivots around the missing in action status of the father of the family. So he's an RAF pilot and he's ditched somewhere in the ocean and he's missing action when the episode actually doesn't start but actually gets going and that's the main push-pull of this episode which is when is Madge the 
central guest character going to break the news to her children that their dad is missing presumed dead yeah it's quite a shocker isn't it it is a shocker but it manages to be less depressing than a christmas carol which is incredibly depressing i absolutely loathe that episode i think you me and jack all hate that episode and it's just because on rewatch it's just awful and i have to say about this episode watching it again Firstly, I couldn't remember anything about it. Then when I started watching it, I found it bland, Mm. but completely inoffensive. Absolutely, yeah, very much so. There were a couple of things that ticked me off, but we'll get into that later into the episode. But as uh, plots really go, it's really bland and very inoffensive and sort of perfect... I'm not going to give this any real attention. Christmas Day fodder. I like the way it had a couple of points, though, which were very sort of hoovy and insofar they were pointing out things like ecological destruction and war being really horrible in that were sort of interspersed in this story. Now, I did quite like that. What about you? I have to say I really liked the way they treated those two subjects. And something that gets my goat that makes me quite annoyed is people in fan forums and things like that saying, oh, you know, Doctor Doctor Who has never been political before. Why are they adding all this um, wokeism into it? The thing is, woke is not a bad word. And also, Doctor Who has always been political. Always. Since the very beginning. And you can even see it here, like you say, with the issues around the acid rain and the deforestation. Completely. And also the toll that a war actually takes on an ordinary family. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're so right. And it was nicely slotted in. It was it was in your face, but it was also subtle at the same time. Yeah, it really was. Children, go downstairs. Why? We're leaving. Yes. No. I don't know. Just please go downstairs. Don't need to shout. doing all this i'm just trying to take care of things i'm the caretaker that's not what caretakers do then why are they called caretakers their father's dead i'm sorry lily and cyril's father my husband is dead and they don't know yet because if i tell them now then christmas will always be what took their father away from them and no one should have to live like that of course when the christmas period is over i shall every time you see them happy you remember how sad they're going to be and it breaks your heart let's talk a bit about the plot of this story because i've been trying to work it out since i watched it what the plot was and i wonder if a slight reordering of scenes might have made this a bit more interesting and actually made a bit more sense So we open the episode with the Doctor on a spaceship that's exploding. So he manages to get access to a space suit and he essentially plummets from space to Earth. You know, because... As you do. Exactly, just as you do. I would say in a homage to James Bond when he jumped and... Oh yeah! Yeah, I got those vibes very strongly. Anyway, he lands 
in a field. field. I think it's a field, isn't it's it? It's a field. Yeah. And he is met by a woman called Madge. And she essentially helps him the rest of the evening try to find the TARDIS. Although she doesn't know that he is a... Time traveller. No, she doesn't know that. And she also doesn't know that he's the Doctor. She thinks he could be an angel and she doesn't realise they're looking for a spaceship. Towards the end, because she's been so kind to him, the Doctor essentially says, you know, if there's anything I can ever do for you... And that's really the main pivot of the story because it's essentially the Doctor, he knows what's happened to Madge's husband or it's kind of like unspoken that he knows and he's trying to give her this really nice Christmas with her children. He's repaying the favour. He's giving her space. And he's giving her the chance to have one great Christmas before she has to tell them. But. There's always a but. Why the hell did he bring that box into the house? Really? Why? And leave it unattended. Exactly. Exactly. What child doesn't go and look at a giant box before Christmas? Well, yeah, exactly. Especially when it glows. Yeah. And it's like. it's it's 1941. You know, that's going to be quite exceptional. It's a recipe for disaster, and disaster happens. So a big present that the Doctor has got for the family, and something that he's using the TARDIS to maintain. So at this point, he can't actually use the TARDIS because the TARDIS is sort of keeping the box... like Keeping the portal open. Yeah, is a day where they'll spend in this enchanted forest. But the Doctor, being the Doctor, doesn't get his dates right. And so this is the day when the forest is going to be deforested with acid rain and everything in the forest is going to die. Everything. Enter the child Cyril, who, in the middle of the night, decides to go downstairs, look inside the box, ends up in the forest, and adventure ensues. I just, I thought, you know, Doctor, you've almost got it right. You've almost gone, oh, I know, she just needs a break. She needs a mini break. I'll take her and her family somewhere where they can relax. And also I'll put this mysterious forest in a box and they can go on this. No, that's too much. Just give them the house for them to relax in. That's enough. It's it's always, look how clever I am. (laughs) Look what I can do. It's just one step beyond. You never think further than that. But just going back to what I was initially saying about the reordering of the story to make it work a bit better, I was wondering if it might have been more beneficial if we actually open the episode with Madge and her children arriving at the uncle's house to be greeted by the doctor. And if that was actually our introduction to the family. And then as we get into the story, especially towards the end part where Madge is trying to save her children, if we actually had a flashback to when she first met the Doctor, so that the mystery is kind of solved, so that we know that he essentially has been helping her this whole time to break the news and that this was his repayment of the debt. Mm tied it up quite nicely. I just wonder if that would have worked better 
in terms of the narrative if it had been more interesting? If it had been reordered that way, I think you would have been thinking all the way through, oh, what's going on here? Why he's there? And then the flashback, it would have all become clear. It would have been, yeah, I think that would have been really nice. Well, at this point, it's just anything to make it interesting because for me I don't know if you got this feeling but I felt like I was watching an extended John Lewis advert yeah very much so it's very much so yeah you know and I didn't feel anything really other than just watching it are you hurt did you fall where did you fall from oh all right just just let me uh... think there was that much fear factor in it it was just the the time element could they get out and how were they going to get out and the doctor didn't really have a clue did he no and the doctor he was completely blindsided by this situation he didn't really know what was going on or really how to fix it and he was sort of trapped and Madge actually has to come and save them I thought that initially the male and female wooden people they were quite impressive when they were sat down but the minute they started to move they just looked like rubber monsters they did yeah you're right they did look they looked great when they were sitting yeah but when they started to move they did look very rubbery and for me the there was no fear factor yeah it did ruin the illusion and I also want to say, I have this theory that I call, is it a child or is it a dog? And this is essentially when a child or a dog is put at risk in the narrative. So for me, I often find it in things like disaster movies where the writers feel that we've got such a lack of connection to their main characters that the only thing they can do is endanger a dog or a child to make us feel any sort of sense of jeopardy or that we actually even care about what's happening. Yeah. And for me, there were elements of that in yeah, this. So. Mm. You know, especially with Cyril, who was the least defined character I mean, I think Madge was written quite well. I think Lily, the daughter, was written quite well. But Cyril was essentially there to be put in peril. Yeah, they just gave him specs and that was it, really. Well, they gave him specs and they sent him wandering around in this forest and he was essentially lost. Yes, he was playing the Lucy role, but Lucy's a bit more interesting than Cyril. Yeah, he just didn't have anything really to do other than be the MacGuffin that they have to go and find. I'm always really suspicious when a child that I don't know very well or a dog is suddenly at risk I'm like oh I see where this is going now Mm. (laughs) I did think that the ticking clock of the acid rain was particularly interesting it was different it was really different and it's not something we've seen before and like we said it's addressing a real world concern the crew were good I thought the crew were good, but really underused. So there's this crew that turns up in the forest, which has got um, Bill Bailey, Arabella Weir, and I'm really sorry, but I don't know who the other guy is. No, I don't know either. But I've seen him in comedies. Mm. 
they turn up in the middle of the forest and they essentially act as like an info dump to tell us what's happening they're quite good but they're really underused and they're meant to be like a comedy element but I mean, it doesn't get going. Does it, it doesn't work for me because, despite the fact that Bill Bailey and Arabella Weir are renowned British comedians, they're not very funny in this. No, they've got nothing to do, have they? No. Madge, are you all right? Talk to me, Madge. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm perfectly fine, thank you. Fine. You've got a whole world inside your head. I know. It's funny, isn't it? One can't imagine being a forest, then suddenly one can. How remarkable. You're okay. She's okay. She is strong. Oh, that wasn't me. As we get a bit more into the episode, I wanted to talk about something that really bothered me. So fans of the pod will know that I occasionally mention that I've written a cosy crime, which I have, and it's set in the 1940s and I did a lot of research about the 1940s. Now something that I find irritating in this is that in the opening scene it was clearly set in about 1937-1938 so it was just before the the outbreak of the war and so the street lights were on lights were in the windows their lights were on the curtains were open there was no blackout and it was clear you know it's a different world yeah however when we picked up with them in christmas 1940-1941 their curtains were still open and the lights were still on yeah they didn't seem to have any blackout curtains whatsoever. It's such a basic thing. It was a bit, I found that a bit jarring. I did. I saw it and I was like, this now has taken me out of the moment. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, it, you know, these things happen. But it is one of the most basic things you can do to set a scene mm-hmm. that this is the 1940s. I mean, I think it's hard to imagine what it must have been like trying to go round with absolutely yeah exactly with no lights on whatsoever i've been listening to a podcast recently which is hallie rubenhole's the blackout ripper and it paints this terrifying picture of what it's like to be out and about when you just can't see anything and there are people moving past you constantly so i would have liked some more actual details about the period rather than her just saying it's 1941 and there's a war on everything about home that you miss until you can't bear it till you almost burst till it hurts is that what you mean caretaker till it hurts yes yes as we turn to wrap this episode up i just wanted to get your take on the ending uh okay it was a bit far-fetched but can i just stop you there because you've just said that that was the far-fetched bit of this episode not the forest in a box okay not you know the sentient wooden people no the bit that was far-fetched for you (laughs) (laughs) was the ending Open that up for me. Explain why. Well, just Madge driving through the vortex. I thought was a bit, a bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess I see where you're going, 
driving through in a wooden jane that looks like glass. I hear where you're going. But to this point, everything has been mad. This is just another mad thing that's happened. (laughs) And I I liked it anyway. I thought it was a... I'm glad it had a nice happy ending and they all had Christmas together and they didn't die. It's so important that they didn't die because I'm so sick of that. So am I. I mean, I say it like it happens in every Christmas special, but it really doesn't. It's only in a handful, but they are devastating and I hate it. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice that we have the happy ending and that actually in a much bigger way, the Doctor is able to help Madge in her time of need and essentially help her to bring her husband home because that's the whole thing she actually when you know you said about her being in the vortex she's the one who saves everybody she saves her children she saves the doctor she saves the forest and she saves her husband and his crew she saves everyone she's a hero so would you ever want to see this episode again if there was nothing else to watch probably if we lost like you say all our dvds That's a real backhanded compliment. You know, if I was made homeless and it was the only thing, (laughs) then yes, I'd love to live in your house. I would give give it a strong six. You would give it a six, but you'd never see it again. Well, I would watch it. I mean, it's Doctor Who, let's be honest. Yeah, I think think a six is quite high for me. I would give it a... A four and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you did think it was bland. I'm harsh. I'm harsh. You are. This is like going to a restaurant, seeing a really, really delicious ice cream, ordering it, getting it, and it just tastes bland, and then still having to pay £50 for the privilege and feeling the whole way home that you've just been let down by everybody. That is what this feels like for me. It had all the ingredients to be interesting. The framework was solid, but somewhere along the line, it just, everything slipped down. It fizzled. It did, and it just kind of died a death. Yeah. You know? And I can't put my finger on why it doesn't work, because usually it's really obvious with a lot of these specials why they did and did not work. But with this one, it's a bit of a mystery as to why it is so, and I'm going to use this word again, I need a buzzer for every time I say bland, but it is, it is so bland. Why? I don't know. You're meant to come in with some brilliant insight well, then. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it is particularly odd that we think it's bland because that period, that time period was not bland at all, was it? And the story itself has got elements that, you know, you've got the the ticking clock, you've got the forest that needs to be rescued. Mm. But the whole thing just comes across as being, is it an afterthought? Is that why? Does it feel like this is coming at the end of a writer when they've sort of exhausted, they want to get it done, and they just throw anything? And everything. And maybe it was too much of, and not enough at the same time. Yeah, it's just there's something, there's something missing. And I think I think the fact that they were always inside that house, 
and the only other place they were was in the forest made it a bit yeah but claustrophobia can often lend itself to an episode being intense. interesting yeah and like you say interesting and intense because the whole thing is if your child's gone missing but you've only been in the house where is the child it's somewhere in the house but the house contains a forest which you didn't know about <laughs> and that's where the child is but the, i mean technically cyril actually never leaves the house no no true no yeah when you look at it like that it becomes even more mysterious why why it didn't work yeah apart from being bland i just think it just sort of ticked along didn't it afterthought city yeah and so with that with afterthought city i'm still giving it a six <laughs> okay we'll give it a six because you're the guest and you get to choose oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, mr pond guess who's coming for dinner We've done that. Oh, okay. We're about to have Christmas dinner. Joining us? If it's no trouble. There's a place set for you. But you didn't know I was coming. Why would you set me a place? Oh, because we always do. It's Christmas, you moron. So, just before we actually close up this episode, I just wanted to bring up Amy and Rory and the fact that, yet again, they're not really part of this special even though they are full-time companions of the doctor they're not in this special again they're very much an afterthought i mean they're more of an afterthought than they were um back in a christmas carol where at least they had something to do this literally feels like at the beginning or at the end of filming they were able to have them for a short period of time and they filmed the sequence where the doctor turns up at their door it literally felt like that tacked on yeah and i just want to say you know all of the other companions i i would say bar martha yeah i think martha's the only one who doesn't get anything to do in a christmas special and to be honest i'd rather be martha in this situation i'd rather stay at home with my <laughs> cup of tea my feet up my mince pies than be the Amy and Rory with nothing to do. What do you think? I, mean, I, I don't understand that at all, do you? It must be what you said. They, they had, I don't know, though. Would they have had other things to do? Well, they might have had limited availability because I think this is coming at the end of their tenure on the show. Right. And you've got to remember that Series 7, which is the one after this, is cut into two halves. So you've got... Series 7A, which is Amy and Rory, and Series 7B, which is Clara. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I would have liked to have seen Amy and Rory have their own storyline at Christmas. And this speaks to a bigger thing. I really want a Doctor Who Christmas special that is nothing to do with the Doctor and is literally all about the companions. That would be fun. Just give us something different. Give us something we, we haven't need, seen. I, I think we need that now. In, in the future, we need to be a, a little bit different. If it's going to have any legs, really. Yeah, I completely agree. Because it does feel... I mean, even at this point, this Christmas special feels like it's running on fumes. Yeah, definitely. Because they run out of things to do with Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just have a good story. Yeah. But with that... 
I think we'll draw this episode to a close and I wanted to say thank you for being here to record with me today. It's been lovely to see you. Nice surprise. And thank you. I know all the listeners. I always get such great feedback when you're on any episode. So thank you. Thank you. That's really lovely.